Welcome to Hashtag Jazz, the family-friendly Grow a f***ing pair Podcast exclusively about Utah jazz basketball I hate this history class From two of the most Emotionally unstable Guys in the business And now, here are your hosts Jason Walker and Trey Sanders Hello everybody, thanks so much for tuning in uh, things are going really well in Jazzland right now, so we'll see if that makes this episode a lot easier. Although we're going to be doing a lot of, mostly I think, trade speculation. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Donovan Mitchell and maybe some other players. Um, but overall, uh, things are looking pretty good, aren't they, Trey? Yes, indeed. Yes, the team is back to getting under people's skin. It's awesome. Yeah, that was that was really apparent in uh, this last game. Rudy Gobert was uh, making... Carl Anthony Towns' life uh, not so pleasant. Um, granted, Towns still ended up with like 22 points, you know, six rebounds, seven assists. Not a bad stat line, but you know, wasn't a hugely impactful player. I mean, Rudy Gobert's stat line wasn't actually terribly impressive either. You know, he only had like 17 and four, but you know, he was still his kind of you know off the stat sheet effective, um, as he often is. Yeah, well, I mean, and I was even thinking back to, like, the Denver game. That was such a throwback game. I loved it. It was just no-holes-barred basketball. It was awesome. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Jokic got his that game, but Gobert's impact was still prevalent. Yeah, and Gobert's had to face a lot of uh, tough centers. I mean, you mentioned Jokic back-to-back against Towns. Uh, Nurkic is a, is a pretty decent center from the Trailblazers. Uh, and I think Nurkic uh, really ate Rudy Gobert's lunch, actually, in that game. I think he ended with, like, a 20-20 or something like that. Or, or Yeah, no, statistically. No, he was 22-8 and eight, so and 7 assists. So, I, for some reason, I thought he had a 20. Uh, that was uh, Nurkic, wasn't it? Or uh, Jokic. Always mix those two guys Jokic, up. Jokic, yeah. Yeah, Jokic had, like, yeah, a 20-20. Yeah, it was, 20, like, 28 20. points. Yeah, 28 points and, like, 20 boards or something like that. I mean, even still, Rudy's impact. I mean, he does things that don't show up on the stat sheet. And Jokic, he's, you know, what he does shows up on the stat sheet because he stuffs it. I mean, don't get me wrong. Jokic is an incredible basketball player. I love watching him play. But he doesn't have the same kind of impact on both ends of the floor that Rudy Gobert does. Like that, just he does the intangibles that you cannot put a number on. Yeah, I think uh, Jotic and Gobert are kind of opposites in a way, in that you know people think of Jotic as this offensive guy, but sucks on defense. For some weird reason, people think Gobert is you know awesome on defense, but sucks on offense. When in reality, Rudy Gobert does well on offense, and Jotic isn't that bad on defense. So they're actually, I don't know, you kind of compare them a little bit, and they actually do have similar impacts, but, you know, I'd take Rudy Gobert for many of the reasons you suggested. Because, yeah, Jotic gets a lot of his attention because of those triple-doubles, the assists, and, and deservedly so. He's probably the best passing big I've really ever seen, uh, at least in my <laughs> lifetime. So, you know, he, he, he deserves a lot of that, but Rudy Gobert kind of goes under the radar because what he does, you know, the, the two things that he does – that show up on the stat sheet that people will pay attention to are his rebounds and blocks. And nobody cares about anything else that he does. And it's why he's maybe at risk of not being an all-star. I think we talked a lot about the, his case for being an all-star, and I think it's more likely to happen than I was thinking last time we we did this uh, 
podcast. Uh, his odds have gone up, but you know, you very well could get snubbed for you know <laughs> these reasons. The fact that uh, the only thing he does that seems like that really stands out to people is I think he's leading the league in double doubles right now. And, you know, it's it's those kind of things to get you all-star appearances and all, you know, all NBA teams and and things like that, you know, all the exposure. That's why, that's why Donovan Mitchell has kind of exceeded Rudy Gobert in terms of exposures because he's put up all the 30 and 40-point games. So even though that Rudy Gobert is uh, a, a much better player, I would say, than Donovan Mitchell overall, at least in terms of impact, although that gap is closing. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> Donovan figured it out. I mean, we we talked about this a couple episodes ago. Donovan figured it out finally. He settled down. He was letting the game come to him, and now he's back to being unstoppable. I would say, I, I don't know, in the Timber, the two Timberwolves games that we just wrapped up for the week, uh, I mean, he wasn't nearly as dominant as we saw him earlier, but um, I would say that if, I mean, the nice thing is, is this is the best part of the all-star voting is that the coaches actually vote for the reserves and not the um, stupidity of the vo- fan voting BS. Um, so, I mean, I think Donovan has made a much better case uh, moving forward. But, I mean, yeah, impactfully, Rudy Gobert, number one. I mean, Mitchell's going to give you your points. And when he gets going, he's very, very hard to stop. But... um I think it would be cool to see Rudy get his all-star bid and have the coaches vote him in. Because to me, if if that were me as a player, that would mean a lot more to me that the coaches voted me in rather than the fans, which is always going to be a heavy bias. Yeah, the fans, I don't think the fans are ever going to vote Rudy Gobert in at all, ever. No. Um, it's just, you know, we've already gone over that. Uh, Mitchell, yeah, eventually, because he's growing in popularity and the reason you know if he had kind of flipped what he's done lately and done that early in the season he'd probably actually be in all-star consideration but because he kind of sucked for two-ish three-ish months uh to start the season uh, that's going to cost him an all-star game but i mean you you mentioned that he's doing a, a lot better and you look at the last 10 games the jazz have played they're nine and one and Donovan Mitchell is averaging uh, 30 points and six assists, almost five rebounds uh, per contest. And he's shooting like 40. Like I don't have the the last game that they've played against the Timberwolves, the second one on these calculations, but generally speaking, he's shot 47%, 40%, 47% overall, 40% from three, and a little under 80% on free throws, taking eight per game. Uh, which I actually think is a pretty underrated part of what he's done lately is that he's getting to the foul line. Um, but I mean, you know, Donovan's not going to keep up this pace of averaging 30, but when he's able to do this and average in the mid to high 20s, the Jazz are just so much better. Um, and it's like when Rugo Bear's playing well and Joe Ingles playing well, but you know, Donovan's one of those two players that, you know, he's he's the offensive driving force. Uh, granted, Utah's schedule has been a lot, uh, lot easier in these last ten games, but he's looked a lot better. His shot selection has been a lot better, and just watching him, I'm, I'm reminded of the 
Donovan from last year. You know, the, the phrase we've heard a lot this year, uh, looking for that Donovan from his rookie season. Um, and we're seeing that again. Hopefully this will become the Donovan of the future is him averaging near 30 points a game and, you know, being an unstoppable offensive force like he's been at times. Uh, he was that way in the second half of this last Timberwolves game, not so much in the first half. Yeah, ho- ho- yeah that first half had me a little worried. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. I mean, everyone's going to have a bad night. That's just the way it is. But first, that first half, I was like, oh, okay. See, I was getting all ready to, to fire up my uh, theory about Ricky Rubio uh, ruining Donovan Mitchell by coming back and uh, playing point guard again. And uh, there was a fairly compelling case until Donovan Mitchell absolutely turned it on. So, And the evidence, when you actually look deeper into it, isn't really there. Because uh, Donovan Mitchell is, if I was reading the numbers right in NBA.com, his numbers and efficiency are actually higher when uh, Ricky's on the court versus when Ricky's off, uh, by a substantial <laughs> margin, actually. So the case was relatively weak, but still, I mean, he averaged 30 points in eight or, you know, I think it was like six or so games that Rubio was out. He comes back, Donovan Mitchell goes 7 of 24 in the first game that Ricky's truly back. And then he goes like two of eleven in the first half. In the next game, it was fishy, but the case kind of fell apart. Yeah, well, and um, I don't know if Ricky's still on a minutes restriction right now, but you can tell that uh, Quinn Snyder is doing a lot more experimentation now, kind of giving uh, Donovan more time to run the point. Now that'll probably all change when XM comes back, but it's interesting to see. Kind of, I mean this is like the closest we'll get to seeing kind of Quinn's brain work the way he's setting in these lineups. Well, it's, it's similar to last year in a way that, you know, Donovan Mitchell will be running that backup point guard. Um, and I think R- Rubio is just, I think against the Timberwolves, he's kind of come off that the first two games he was even in his first start back, he, he only played like 24 minutes. Um, but you know, I, I do think that Exum's going to come back and take those backup point guard minutes, which I think will create a uh, – it'll make something to watch for in that we've seen Donovan Mitchell playing point guard, and I think it's really changed the way he plays. Yeah. He, he's keeping his head up. He's looking for passes. They're not the greatest passes. You know, watching him against the Timberwolves, he's doing these, these weird jump passes, these awkward, you know, fling it back into the backcourt – you know, not good passes. And and there's some good ones in there, which is a lot of times where you're finding his assists, but there are a ton of passes that make, you know, coaches pull their hair out. Um, but it's better than him jacking up a bad shot, which is what he was doing earlier in the season. So you're, you're seeing this evolution where hopefully he goes from what he was early this season, jacking up bad shots to, you know, you know, more of a, Hopefully, I'd like to see him be a full-time point guard eventually. I think kind of Damian Lillard or Dwayne Wade, uh, um, hopefully more comparable to Damian Lillard because uh, Dwayne Wade wasn't that great of a three-point shooter. But you know, we'll we'll see. I just you know, I I guess I I got off cut uh, off what I was saying there. Uh, the interesting thing will be to see. When Exum comes back, if Donovan will continue this kind of great run of play where 
you know, he's, he's played well as a point guard. Can he take this and still play shooting guard? Cause he'll end up getting stuck back in that, you know, 95% of his minutes will be at shooting guard. Can he go back to that role and thrive? Or will we find that, you know, Donovan really does need to play a lot of minutes at point guard. So that's, that's probably something I'll keep an eye on when Exum comes back probably next week. So kind of the next main thing I wanted to talk about was uh, some of the, the trade rumors that have been flying around in Utah have been uh, around, around two potential trade targets. Uh, some fairly credible sources have tied these two together. Uh, more so this first one, there's Otto Porter. I believe uh, the athletic uh, Shams, uh, I can't say his last name. Is it Kariana? Shariana? How do you say his last name? I, you're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, the apprentice of Woj, basically, uh, and a guy who's just about on Woj's level at this point, uh, he wrote a story and he mentioned that the Utah Jazz were one of the uh, interested parties in Otto Porter, who's rumored to have been on the trade block for quite a while now. We actually brought him up probably about two months ago as a potential re- replacement for Derek Favors. Um, Because Favors really seems like one of the guys who's kind of got one foot out the door in uh, terms of roster. Although, you know, I go back and forth on whether or not I want Derek Favors here. Um, uh, The the other player we'll get to, we'll talk about Porter first, but uh, the other player is Mike Conley. Um, But I guess one of the, I guess, overall things I've really had on my mind is, you know... Both of these guys have really big contracts. Both are being paid 30 plus million right now. Um, and Otto Porter, he would end up being more expensive. Let's see. He's actually he's uh, like 26 million, but he has a 15% trade kicker, which, if I understand that right, means we're paying 15% more money if he were to get traded to Utah. And so that's I don't know, something over 30 million I, I didn't exactly do the math but my colony is somewhere around 32 million he's 30 million this year 32 million then 34 million um over the next two years you said it was 15 percent yeah 15 percent yeah we'd pay him an additional but roughly four million i guess i put him basically right More. on about right on 30 million for the next three years, basically. Yeah. And that kind of turned me off a lot for Mike Conley, at least. Um, But a lot of people seem really excited about Mike Conley. And the thing is, I like Conley as a player. I mean, this year he's averaging 20 points, six assists. He's not really missed any games, which is something, you know, he hasn't played 70 games since uh 2014-15 uh, but he's on pace to play like 80 this year and he's having an almost career year at age 31 but him being age 31 is probably the biggest thing that kind of turned me off but uh I, I was curious like what are your thoughts because like i'm i feel like i'm one of the few people who's against mike conley right now but, like i'm curious what your thoughts are on if the jazz were to land him like would he be worth the 30 million uh, and all that 
No, <laughs> I think that he's uh, he's had so many injuries throughout his career, and it's not because I mean he's injury prone. He just is. He just has the uh, the. Uh, it's just unfortunate that he happens to be on the re- the recipient of these injuries. But the fact that like, I mean, the fact that they paid him that much up front to begin with is just ridiculous. I, at the time that he signed that deal, that was the most expensive contract in the NBA. And he has only played two good seasons out of that, if, if I remember correctly. Um, Mike Conley's good. I'm a fan of Mike Conley. But at the end of the day, he's up there with, you know, he's Joe Ingles' age right now. And coming into next season, even if we do get him, he's going to be 32. And the offensive scheme that we run here, we he would fit it. And he's a good three-point threat. He's pretty good at getting inside. He's good at drawing fouls. He's a pretty decent passer. At the end of the day, he's more of not only is he a financial liability, but he's also a health liability. Because if we get rid of whoever we need to to grab just him, I mean, you're losing a lot of backups at that point. Yeah, and I, I think the Jazz might be able to avoid too much just because Conley's contract is enormous. Yeah, the Jazz would be giving stuff up because Conley is a borderline All-NBA talent, uh, even at age 30, uh, 31. But yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying there, almost almost to the letter, in that Conley fits just about everything you'd want in a Jazz player. He'd be an upgrade over Rubio in almost every single way, offensively, defensively, scoring, scheme fit, you know, everything. It's just the fact that we're paying a 31-year-old uh, 32 million, and he's going to be what 33, 34, I think, by the end of the contract. And I think it's a lot. This we'll get into this. I think with Porter is that you know when you're looking for a third star, the way that the Jazz are, um, you're trying to finish that big three. You're going to end up overpaying for somebody most likely. I mean, sure. uh, um. Like you look at kind of Kevin Love in uh, in Cleveland, uh, even the Miami Heat when they had LeBron James, they kind of overpaid a little bit for Chris Bosh in terms of what he ended up contributing to that. But those guys were worth it, you know, Chris Bosh, and you can debate whether or not Kevin Love was truly worth it. But they were good players; they were overpaid for what they were contributing. But you have your third star, and so I think spending thirty million on somebody isn't necessarily the bad thing. And I think you probably agree with this, but it's just that it Mike Conley isn't that player. Um, and I think Otto Porter comes a lot closer to that. I still have my my doubts and you know hesitations and all that. But I, I I'm willing to see the Jazz. I'd be totally fine, and I'd really encourage the Jazz to not be afraid to go out and find a thirty million dollar guy who's only going to give you seventeen points a game. But at least you have a 17-point-per-game guy or maybe another 20-point-per-game guy, if you're lucky, who can be that secondary scorer that the Jazz don't have. Uh, and that would, you know, as we've already gone over plenty of times, uh, that guy would be able to help Donovan Mitchell a ton uh, in terms of opening things up for him, help the Jazz win on an off night for Donovan Mitchell, so on and so forth. Uh, so it's... You know, that's kind of my thoughts on the the idea of spending $30 million, even though it would really handicap the Jazz financially. 
but when was the last time you saw a financially flexible team win an NBA title game? Not many. <laughs> I mean, you can't say that about the Golden State Warriors. I think they're always over the luxury tax every single season, and now they have five all-stars in their starting lineup. Um, yeah, I mean, who do you need? I mean, don't get me wrong. Ricky Rubio is – he's not your offensive threat when he shoots the ball. He's hes just not. But at the end of the day, he has a lot more longevity than a lot of people – at his position right now because not only is Mike Conley getting older, um, you've got, I mean, even, um, what's his name, plays for uh, Toronto. He's getting up there in age, too. Kyle Lowry. Um, Kyle Lowry, he's getting up there in age. Um, I mean, where do you fill that gap? I mean, I know we've talked about this many times. Like, who do you get, who do you go for? Otto Porter Jr. in a lot of areas Joe Ingles isn't getting any younger, and he's the same position, so same height. So at that point, you get someone in a bit younger, probably not as reliable um, and has the best IQ on the floor as Joe Ingles would. But, yeah, I just don't know who who the hell you would get. Because even Kevin Love, I, I, I like Kevin Love, but he's on his way out. He's been in the league for about 10 years now, and he's – Reach, he's going to be 31 next year so i mean what i mean what do you hold out for I, I would love to see you know that smart decision come at the right time i just don't know if this season is going to be it because i honestly think that if the jazz and and i had you look this up before we started the podcast um or at least think about it anyways when we got jay crowder last year because it was around this time but I kind of feel like if the Jazz were going to make a move, it would have been at this point. I don't think we're going to see it in the next 10 days or however long it is for that deadline. Yeah, see, hope, hopefully it'll be around 11 days, assuming I get this podcast up in the next uh, next day or two. But I kind of think the Jazz aren't going to hold off. I think they're just being really cautious, which I'd kind of be critical of. Um, I think the Otto Porter move... Might be worth it. Um, I I know people who are absolutely sold on Otto Porter would be the guy. Um, not necessarily like a 25 points per game matched on Mitchell's kind of production, you know, offensively or defensively, but enough to be a Tobias Harris level player, which is a guy I actually would really love to see on Utah. Uh, I, I think Tobias would bring a, a lot of good things, but he's not really leaving L.A. Uh, at least not for Utah. Um. But I, yeah, I I just don't know. I I'm kind of thinking what you were saying is that I don't know who the Jazz can bring in because the stars may not align. They aligned for the Warriors almost flawlessly, which is why they've you know been the best team in the NBA for about five years. But sometimes you just gotta take that shot. Because otherwise you risk just having this, you know, team fade into obscurity. If Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell leave for greener pastures because, you know, somebody else is calling their name when Utah can't do anything. Sure. So uh, I do kind of want to go over, <laughs> should we go over Otto Porter? Um, maybe because. Yeah, I, I don't. 
Well, because he's uh, I've kind of watched him a little bit in in highlights. I've not really gone through and actually watched a Wizards game, so I can you can only pick so much up from highlights. But to me, I think he I think he could play four. There's a lot again. There's guys who are sold he can play four, but the dude's listed like a buck ninety, or maybe two oh five. Okay, 198 is his official listing on uh, Basketball Reference, which is not power forward weight. Because um, mm-hmm. Jay Crowder's like what 230, so like even though he's so, like, yeah he's big, yeah so even though he's like six foot six, you know full two inches shorter than Otto Porter, he can stand up to the fours, but you know maybe the NBA is getting lighter and I just don't know because Otto Porter has also supposedly played about half his minutes at power forward. Roughly speaking, actually like 40%. Um, he's played 60% on either small forward or shooting guard. But he's an athletic guy, uh, not the greatest passer. But he can shoot the ball. I know his his shooting percentage is down from three this year, but he's still shooting 38%, which would be like one of the best on the Jazz right now. Um, so I think I'd be... I'd be more willing to give Otto Porter a chance paying that $30 million over the next two or three years. Um, one, because he's 25. And since John Wall's been gone, I think John Wall's been gone for, uh, oh, like the last six or seven games for the Wizards. And I, I looked at Porter's averages. And like the last seven games, he's averaging like 16 points a game. Uh, his three-point shooting's gone up and all that. He's actually had a pretty bad last couple of games, so maybe that's not the greatest example. But you know, I think he's capable of being a a third piece, which is why I'm. If the Jazz traded for Otto Porter, I'd feel a lot better about it. But it's still a really big risk. It's swinging for the fences, and you could very very easily miss. So it, it's not like picking up Clay Thompson or, you know, something like that. Oh, yeah, but, I mean, he's probably one of those people that, you know, if he's within a system like Quinn Snyder runs, I'm pretty sure he would flourish. And he's good at he's good on the defensive end. He's long, so that always helps. And that's, I mean, that's kind of what we are now anyways. Yeah, and so that's that's kind of what gives me hope is if he does come into a system because he was playing you know with John Wall who, despite being a wonderful talent and all that, he uh, kind of makes his team worse almost. Uh, at times, a lot of his teammates, their efficiency and all that goes down when he's on the court. Otto Porter is one of those. His efficiency is significantly down when Wall is on the court. It's not just that his production goes down like it naturally does when you're playing next to a you know, a high volume player. It's just everything goes down for him. So maybe he could flourish in a system like Utah that would ideally play to his strengths. But then maybe it doesn't. Maybe he doesn't fit in Utah for whatever reason. Uh, so I mean, you look at Boston. They were trying to pick up Gordon Hayward as kind of that, I don't know, second or third. Uh, solid piece and Gordon Hayward has not turned out at all. He's not been anywhere near what they were hoping. So even when you well, feel what like, were they expecting? <laughs> I mean, dude came off of a horrendous injury. He's not going to be the same for a while. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
Uh, they were expecting the second coming of Larry Bird, to be honest. So their expectations sure. were kind of well. At least the fans. I, I don't think the front office was that way, but the fans were. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> Still remember that one guy who uh, actually that that does remind me. Uh, there was something that came out today that uh, a Warriors player who was who was unnamed. We don't know who it is, but apparently said that Gordon Hayward is a liability right now. Uh, just and you know all the Celtics fans are again like and I almost predicted this that they would eventually want him traded. Which again that the injury did I think have a lot to do with that, but I figured it would happen eventually where Boston fans would turn on Gordon Hayward, which they pretty much have. Oh, okay. they're gonna rake, yeah they're gonna rake anybody over the coals that doesn't produce the way they think they should. I mean Boston they're so hard on their on their players, which rightfully so. There's a long legacy of championships there, so I can't blame them for that. <laughs> yeah, and right now they're all hyped up on on the Patriots going back and uh, going back to the Super Bowl, which of course that made me happy because I'm a Patriots fan, but. Yeah, I hope they lose. <laughs> you and ninety nine point nine percent of the rest of the football world, I guess. Whatever. Yeah, go go St. Louis. I mean, L.A. Dude, I this is off on a tangent, but I uh, if I if it were like some team other than the Patriots playing, I'd probably be rooting against. I might be rooting against L.A. I don't know because the owner is a it's a complete douche. Screwed over St. Louis. To go to L.A. You've described every owner in the NFL. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> that is true. Deep down, Robert Kraft is uh, is a cold-hearted, uh, you know, cold-hearted soul. Even I don't. I don't watch football anymore. But you find me one decent owner in the NFL, and I will. I will shut my mouth. But I don't think there's one that exists. I want to say there is one, but every who he is is escaping me. I don't know who it would be. Uh, all the ones that come, all the <laughs> all the all the owners' names that I know are complete idiots or just you know deep down like because like Robert Kraft of the Patriots, he comes across as a uh, as a you know kindly old man, but like deep down you know he, that's not him. He's yeah he's he's got a heart of stone deep down, covered by that. Uh, you know, kind of the old grandpa demeanor that he puts on. So, mm. and, I, and this is a Patriots fan saying that, so <laughs> that, that, that should tell you something. <laughs> um, <laughs> although, well, I don't know, Gail Miller is a pretty nice, but she's not an NFL uh, owner, but she's uh, basically a saint. Um, oh, well, I mean, but she also comes from humble beginnings. That's I true. Mean, Her and... Um, Larry, probably two of the best owners I've I've ever even really heard of, because the other ones are either racist, jerks, or just mean, rich old white people. Which, yeah. Gail Miller is a rich old white person, but she, she doesn't carry that stereotype. <laughs> Nor is she racist, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Not, not that we know publicly. I don't, I don't want to insinuate that. I don't even want to think about that. But yeah. Um. Anyways, back to basketball. <laughs> the subject of this podcast. Uh. All right. I don't know. I've covered most everything I want to talk about because, you know, I I got into an argument with the. It was an argument. It's a friendly discussion on Twitter. 
surprisingly enough, it, it stayed friendly. Um, hmm. Just about the the worth of, of paying a guy like Mike Conley. It was about Mike Conley. We didn't talk about Otto Porter, but I don't know. I just I wonder if the Jazz are going to take that, that gamble because for really the last decade, we've just been hearing about the Jazz trying to hold on to that financial flexibility, and they've done jack all with it. I mean, they signed like Rudy Gobert, I think, is their biggest contract in the last decade. I think even if mm-hmm. you like consider relative salary cap and all that, he's probably the biggest contract they've signed since uh, Andre Karolinko. And I could be way wrong on that. But it feels like he's the biggest gamble they took, and it wasn't even really a gamble. Because they knew it was going to be worth it. Like, I, I just don't know if the Jazz are going to finally pull the trigger. Like this last off season, they didn't take any gambles. It kind of hurt them a little bit. You know, had a really painfully slow start. And I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be able to pull off a a good free agency haul again. Because um, it's become apparent to anybody who has a pair of eyes who's laid those eyes on the Utah Jazz that if they want to take the next step, they have to sign a third star or acquire one, however they can acquire one. And I, I just, I don't know if I have faith in the front office to make the move to acquire another star. I feel like they're just going to try and build around Donovan and Rudy, which is the wrong way to go if you're trying to get a championship. If you're trying to lose in the second round of the Western Conference playoffs, it's the perfect way to go. But that's not what fans are wanting. and I, I just have this deep abiding fear that the Jazz are going to let this trade, de- trade uh, deadline go by without even considering a trade, and they're going to go through a free agency, sign a bunch of safe players, and we're going to repeat this year and last year for about the next five years. There's my confession. <laughs> um, it got really dark. Um, I don't. I don't think that. I don't think that building around Rudy and Donovan is a bad idea. I mean, yes, you do need to bring in a third. I don't know if you need a star necessarily, but I mean, you look at Draymond Green, for example. Do you really think that Draymond Green would be an All Star if he was not on the Warriors? Probably not. Exactly. So the fact that he is around the you know who was there before him like so it was uh Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green and then they just kind of filled in around there. They had uh what's his face that plays for um Dallas now has been for a couple seasons. I can't remember his name. Harrison Barnes. Um Harrison Barnes, you know, like Harrison Barnes, he was a pretty good piece, but he just, you know, they had to move him when they had to move it because they wanted to bring in other pieces. And lo and behold, the next season they won a championship. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, the Jazz are going to replicate something like that. But I remember listening to um, an episode of uh, Spencer Checkett's podcast. He had Frank Layden on and he kind of went into, you know, he went he rewound the clock a little bit to when they drafted Carl Malone. And one of the biggest stipulations surrounding Carl Malone was that he works hard, but he doesn't listen. 
And Frank Layden, I mean, this is conjecture, but whatever. Like he said, you know, I know how to really wrangle him in and make him play. And he always threatened, I'm going to call your mom if you, you know, if you don't play. I thought that was pretty funny. But Carl Malone was, was one of those risky bets. And look how that panned out. Um, I'm not saying they can replicate that either, but and I don't think that they didn't pull the trigger on any crazy moves last season because they knew that if they had a little bit more money to throw around, whether it was for this trade deadline or even for free agency coming up, that they could take that um they could look at that uh luxury tax and be able to kind of, you know, not make that so bad on their pockets because now that the team is in a luxury trust a lot of the money is going right back to the team anyways so i think that you know there's there's people in free agency that we could definitely pursue and you talked about tobias harris being um a good fit he's up for free agency um i don't know how attainable he will be Kawhi leonard's also up for free agency next year and obviously they're gonna toronto's gonna be throwing all kinds of money at him teams are gonna be throwing all kinds of money at him but i don't know if that's necessarily it because donovan mitchell's only gonna get better rudy's only getting better every single game he's still dominant Donovan Mitchell is dangerous, as is now. I mean, he wasn't earlier this season, and everyone's kind of getting their feet under them. But, I mean, you've got an aging roster, too. I mean, Joe Ingles is getting older. I mean, how long is he going to be able to produce and be asked to do the same things that he has been doing? For, you know, he probably only has probably three or four more good years under his legs, you know. I know he hasn't been in the NBA that long, but age in the NBA definitely takes its toll on you unless your name is uh, uh, Vince Carter, who is ageless somehow. But yeah, I mean, I don't, we always go back in circles with this, I feel like. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if a star is necessarily that answer. We just need someone who is just, is a solid addition. And I'm not, you know, I don't know if necessarily Otto Porter is that person. Um, but it's somewhere to start, and I don't know if he's worth the money that they're paying him either, to be honest. Yeah, so that's why I'm a little hesitant, because and the thing is, I don't think the Jazz need another all-star. Um, it's just another shot creator. Because, I mean, you look at the, the Warriors teams, because they won, I think, their first title with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green as their core. I think uh, Harrison Barnes was in there, too. And then they were starting... Oh, Zaza Pachulia at center. And, oh, they had Andre Iguodala in there as well somewhere. Um, right. So, I mean, they had two offensive stars and a defensive star. You know, back then, Draymond Green, he's, I, don't know, I feel like he's fallen off a little bit. Uh, he's not quite as informed as he was. But back then, he was an all-defensive player, uh, defensive player of the year. I don't know, he won it once or twice, maybe. Um, and you kind of see that with Rudy Gobert, where, you know, sure, he is supremely impactful, just like Draymond Green was and still kind of is. Um, but the Jazz need two offensive shot creators, at least. And, you know, I, I agree that I think Donovan Mitchell is going to get better. You know, I think he's going to come in and peak off at a, you know, kind of a 25 to 28 points per game player at his best. But that's not going to get you an NBA championship. It's going to get you pretty close. And so that that third player, and I agree, he doesn't have to be a star. It's he has to be 
that addition, and he has to be an offensive um, addition. You can't add like an Andre Roberson, who's an all NBA defensive player and say, all right, we got our third star. It's like, no, yeah, you have to add another great offensive player. And maybe that offensive player will be bad at defense. Maybe it's entirely possible, which is something that I know a lot of jazz fans. I've seen shudder at certain players because you think, Oh, that player sucks at defense. Like, okay. At some point we're going to need to sacrifice a little defense for a little more offense. But yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. We we are kind of dragging this along a little bit. So, um, any final thoughts? Anything you want to add before we shut it down for the week? Um, no, I don't think so. I really, I, I've I've been a really big fan of Kyle Korver, though. Man, has he been awesome for us? Yeah, he he has been a very very smart addition, and I, <laughs> so I mean, I think we. Cannibals called us where Kyle Korver would be a a good addition. He wouldn't necessarily be a season swing kind of player, you know, taking the Jazz from, you know, sucking to being awesome. But he certainly played a part in the Jazz. You know, they, they've made that transition since he's been here. Um, but yeah, I, I really love the, uh, the addition as well. We'll see how long he can keep this up because he's... You know, older than dirt. I know. Yeah, he's thirty-seven. That's that's ancient in NBA terms, man. Like, and he's still nimble, moving around, playing good D. I saw him rip the ball out of uh, uh, Andrew Wiggins' hands this tonight. I was like, wow, dude. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like he's just gotten better with age. He's just like a fine wine. He's gotten better than he was when he was first here in Utah. <laughs> which part of that just might have been uh, Jerry Sloan didn't know how to use him. I didn't know you had to use yeah. a, you know, this young, hot shooting three pointer. Uh, so, anyway. sure. Well, even they on the on the telecast today at uh, was it Kristen Kenny was saying that uh, Kyle Corver himself was like, I didn't even think I'd be shooting this well this at this point in my career, but here, lo and behold, yep, still a, still an excellent three point shooter and probably one of the, probably the best bench player the Jazz have right now. Depending on whether or not Jay yeah. Crowder's having an a, an on night, uh, I'd say he's the best. I would say player. most consistent. I yeah. would say most consistent. I wouldn't say he's the best. Yeah, he does his job and he does it pretty much flawlessly, for the most part. As much yeah. as as much as you can expect any NBA player to do. Uh, sure, sure, sure. All right. Well, that wraps it up for us. Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode of Hashtag Jazz. I'm Jason Walker, joined by Trey Sanders, as always. We'll talk to you next week.